0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: From the author of the book by the same name, it's the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast with Mark McRae, Holiday Special. Welcome, friends, to... The best Christmas carols of our lives. I'm your host, Dan Klink. And Mark McRae. And this is our holiday special, everyone. Uh, Mark and I were talking about this, and it's like, well, let's go ahead and pick our favorite... uh, Our favorite... Animated Christmas uh, specials. Yes, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Uh, And we did, and Mm -hmm. we did. Yeah. And, well, we both jumped right into that Charles Dickens, and we picked... uh,
0: variations of A Christmas Carol. How this episode sort of came about, Dan and I were talking about how everyone was upset about the fact that the Peanuts uh, Christmas special wasn't going to run on the networks, although later it did run on PBS. And so we started thinking about all the other Christmas specials out there and which ones we like. And I love the Charlie Brown Christmas I really do love that one, but there's another one that I actually fell in love with as well, but I don't want to jump the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll let uh, Dan introduce his choice, and then I will introduce mine. So my
1: pick was Mickey's Christmas Carol from 1983. One of the surprising things I uh, found out about this was uh,
0: Mark had never seen it. It was one of the specials that got by me. As they say, nobody bats a thousand. You know, it's not terribly (laughs) surprising, actually,
1: that you may have, this may have flown past. It was released along with a re-release of The Rescuers. So Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is about 28 minutes, 26 minutes, played first. And then The Rescuers, which came out, what, 77, something like that. Maybe we should look it up. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. You know what? Hey, fans, hit us up on Facebook with, with those dates. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that, that was kind of a, a business model before and during the rise of VHS. Disney would regularly re-release their films in theaters in order to capture new audiences. And of course, you know, keep that, keep that money train rolling. You know, if Cinderella made box office back in 1950, 60, when it came out, then why won't it do that again seven years later? And then seven years after that. I mean, hell, I saw Snow White in the theater in 1980-something. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And they would occasionally slide in some new stuff, like a new short. In fact, it's a tradition that Pixar has kept going with pretty much every film they've released. You know, the cartoon before the feature, if you will. I feel like it could have been just a little bit longer. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. In my mind, I think the length of it was so it could be ported over to television.
0: Ah, that's an interesting theory. So that was the,
1: the plan. NBC uh, would drop it every year for a few years as one of their Christmas specials.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's two opportunities. I mean, I, I just, I guess I wasn't watching a lot of NBC back in the day because um, as you'll see later when we start talking about uh, my Christmas pick. That also aired on NBC. I, I really feel like that may have been one of the reasons why I didn't catch it right away. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And hey, I wanted to talk to
1: your pick about its length as well. Yes, actually. So <laughs> that is a subject we'll be returning to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of heavyweights were involved in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Uh, when doing the research, I was kind of surprised. It was directed by Bernie. Mattinson uh and the film I didn't know this was actually nominated for best animated short uh Academy Award in
0: 1983 wow that is awesome yeah now the Oscars, I did watch. <laughs> oh well.
1: <laughs> well, you, maybe you, uh, maybe you got up to make some more popcorn during uh, the the short animation, right, uh,
0: right, right, yeah. or, or it was taking a swig of wine or something even more stronger. But anyway, exactly,
1: yeah, those strong Oscar party nights. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know why they wouldn't. The Oscars didn't air on a Saturday night.
0: I know, I know, because Saturday night's sort of a party night anyway. Exactly. But from a network scheduling, programming standpoint, Sunday night is the highest ratings night. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't always that way. But if you look at the schedules now, like, (laughs) no one, like, premieres things on, at least on from the broadcast perspective, no one premieres anything on Saturday night anymore. There is no Saturday night strategy
1: Right, no st- Saturday is uh, is is. i hell. I remember Golden Girls two two seven. I remember the
0: the NBC right. Saturday night lineup. Right, yeah, yeah. They all aired on Saturday. Love Boat, Carol Burnett. Yeah. They aired on Saturday night. But uh, somewhere along the lines, that demographic disappeared on Saturday, and right. network stopped programming to Saturday. And Sunday will always be the big night, and I think that's the reason why. The Oscars are on Sunday night. But uh, again, I've had all these opportunities to watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I just feel terrible <laughs> that I missed every single opportunity. And yeah. he gets nominated for an Oscar, and I missed that. Yeah, it was right in you this whole time. <laughs> so this guy,
1: uh, Bernie Mattinson, directed it, and he he goes all the way back uh, to 1953, he joined Disney at the age of eighteen without
0: any formal training. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. But you know, one of the things that I've I've heard about Disney, like even in the early early days, was that you know he gave a lot of artists um, a chance if if they had a great drawing style.
1: Yeah, I mean this guy kept going. He was uh, he worked on Sleeping Beauty, Hundred and One Dalmatians, Sword and the Stone. And he he and then we have Mickey's Christmas Carol in the the 80s. He was a member of the story team uh, going all the way to a Lion King and beyond. So he wow. was part of that Disney renaissance
0: in the ninety, in the 90s. That is amazing, because a lot of the um, animators from that era, um, a lot of them ended up going in the television direction. Or, you know, working for Hanna-Barbera Filmation, you know, some of the, you know, television animation studios. And the fact that he started in that era and was still working with Disney all the way through The Lion King is uh, pretty amazing. Better part of 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this,
1: this Mickey's Christmas Carol, the main character is Scrooge McDuck. Uh, Ducktales, you know the character of Scrooge. He goes back to the 70s, but mm-hmm. this is the first time he was voiced by Alan Young. And if you're familiar with the show Mister Ed, you're familiar with Alan Young.
0: He played Wilbur. You know the idea of a talking horse, I guess, has never ever been rebooted. But at the time, Mister Ed was like one of the reigning ratings uh, shows that ran on network television. We'll, we'll check this out. Disney
1: was not considering him. For the role, his name came up and they were like, no, 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 he wouldn't. He wouldn't voice an animated film. That's not something he would do. Right. Uh, and word got around and back to Alan Young, uh, who requested an audition after hearing that Disney had thrown his name out there. And they went, no, nah, he won't do it. Yeah. He requested an audition. He's quoted as saying, hey, I worked in television for five years with a talking horse. At this point in my career, nothing's
0: beneath me. <laughs> yeah well i mean uh you know i'm sure you know mr ed wasn't exactly shakespeare you know what i mean no. and i'm sure a lot no, of wasn't. people didn't watch it because they thought the premise was kind of silly
1: well i mean compared to the ghost and mr chicken I think. <laughs> or or my mom is a car
0: <laughs> yeah i know that show Oh my God! Mr. Ed
1: could have done could have done worse. Yeah. Uh, this dude Wilbur, he would <laughs> Alan Young. He went on to voice the uh, to voice Scrooge McDuck all the way through Ducktales. Mm, wow.
2: Ducktales popped. That's pretty uh, after cool. This
1: fears after this. Yeah. Other voice talent: Eddie Carroll, Jiminy Cricket, Hal Smith is Goofy. Yeah. And, and this was the last time that Clarence Ducky Nash. Voice Donald Duck, the original
0: Donald Duck. Wow. Went on top. So I think that's really cool that, uh, you know, he lived long enough to uh, be cast in such a, a wonderful Disney animated classic. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm totally, totally with you on that because this was a, this is an all star cast. This was, this is a legitimate, like, like full court press Disney showcase. Uh, of course, you have Mickey Mouse. Donald Duck, Goofy, Daisy, Minnie—you have all of them. Uh, then you get Mister Toad. You get the Great Mouse Detective, Robin Hood, uh, Pino- Jiminy Cricket's there. I mean, if 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 the mouse ears aren't the icon of Disney, then Jiminy Cricket
0: is right. You know, right? Oh, absolutely. That was a nice surprise for me when I you know finally did get to watch this that Jiminy Cricket showed up, and I don't know something about his character that brings a certain reassurance to the to the project or to the film or the story um, which i think is really cool you know it's like oh he's in this oh cool you know gravity he brought gravity yeah to it yeah and uh at one point you know bryce was watching it with us and they fly out the window and bryce says oh He's lost his slippers. <laughs> <You know>?
1: oh. <laughs> Dude, when I was a kid, I saw that I was barely five years old when I saw this. Uh-huh. And I thought the same thing and thought the exact same thing every single time I've watched this. Wow. Like, like he doesn't have a coat. And right. And it's snowing. But the fact that he loses his shoes, man, he loses his slippers. Yeah. <laughs> He's flying away. Yeah. It's like, you know you'd be walking in snow, pal.
0: Right, right. You know, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Because I'm saying to myself, I'm like, that's what you've noticed? (laughs) Hey, man, it's the same thing I noticed. The exact
1: same thing I noticed. I went and watched this again last night, Mm -hmm. and I, I noticed it last night.
0: Right. Yeah. The cool part is when he gets returned back to his house, you know, the slippers are back on him again, and everything is fine. You know, so it was almost like you feel like as soon as he stepped out of that window, he went into another dimension. Maybe You know, I mean, he actually really did go back in the past and whatever happened didn't necessarily affect his clothing or his slippers. That's my theory. I'm, you know, I'm sticking to it
1: no i i'll go i'll go one further i think whatever uh, potentially sci-fi construct uh mm-hmm. that, that scrooge scrooge is taken into mm-hmm. i i think part of the deal is they hold your shoes for you and you, and you get them back at the end it's almost like you're going <laughs> to like the E. cheese you know like the ball pit
0: or the roller rink <laughs> exactly exactly thank you yeah, yeah you know yeah. and uh it was cool seeing daisy and minnie and uh and you know whose role I really liked was, you know, Hal Smith, who always plays Goofy in a, you know, in a goofy tone, in a comedic tone, and and right. to hear that voice actor do Goofy in a much more serious tone, it made me stand to attention.
1: Yeah, Goofy is Jacob Marley. Mm-hmm. That's
0: that's that's one of those things.
1: That's that's a, that's you don't think of that going through the Disney catalog. Who's going to be this dead ominous ghost? Right. Is, yeah, it was Goofy. You know, it was like he was a
0: little chilling, right? It's it's almost it almost feels like stunt casting, uh, a little bit, but it's it's not. It's just casting against type. But right. in this particular case, it actually worked because the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that Goofy actually played a very serious character, even though he wasn't necessarily Goofy, um, that's how they sort of can get away with it. You know,
1: well, you know, the darkness in this, you know, A Christmas Carol is already sort of a dark tale of greed, loss, regret, uh, and death. Mickey's Christmas Carol doesn't pull any punches.
0: Oh, definitely doesn't pull any punches. And uh, the ghost of uh, Christmas future. I oh, mean, dude, that whole yes.
1: scene was the ghost of Christmas future appears. And it's a you know black cloaked. It's It's death, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, even had skeleton hands, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe I am. You can uh, yell at me on Facebook, everybody. This is a grim, dark ghost of Christmas future. Right. Definitely. I'm thinking kind of in the tones of, uh, um, oh, what's that movie that w- was awful, but also cool in a heavy metal kind of way? Um, the Black Cauldron. Oh, right. Uh, you, everybody can go Google that. I think it was 84. Maybe it might have also been 80, something like that. You were afraid. Of the Ghost of Christmas Future, uh, guides Scrooge into the cemetery and and points out Tiny Tim's funeral. Tiny Tim has died, and Mickey, who is Bob Cratchit, is standing over the grave. And you have to be a robot; you have to be dead inside for this not to move you. I I I move to tears every time. In terms of depiction of a child's death in in cinema and just getting that emotional point across to the audience this vicky's christmas carol i would dare say could be a case study
2: hmm.
1: <laughs> and how to do it right then wow then uh, scrooge notices his own tombstone and he's like spirit <laughs> I, no this is i'm done i'm right, done right right and the uh, uh, ghost of christmas future pulls the cloak back smoking a cigar and it's Pete. Right. It's it's uh, Mickey's Mickey's arch
0: nemesis goes all the way back to Steamboat Willie. I figured it was Pete because, you know, now, I mean, who else <laughs> could it be? <laughs> you know, so uh yeah, so it was cool. So, yeah, Ron and I were okay. watching together and <laughs> okay. and you know, we were like, it's it's Pete.
1: I'm going way too deep into this. I was using Pete as a as a tool to get the audience invested in the the drama and the the excitement of Mickey's Christmas Carol,
0: right, Mark? Well, it's okay. And you just
1: dissected it, and you just dissected it.
0: No problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Pete then tosses Scrooge into the grave. The flames, the brimstone. He is clawing. This is almost when you go into. Uh, like ultimate survival flight or f- mm-hmm. uh, fight or flight mode, right? You know, right? The, the terror in Scrooge's eyes as he's just gripping, uh, clawing at the dirt and failing to gain any ground, but in fact is falling towards it's hell, it's straight up hell. I mean, that's right. that's it was hell. They don't call it hell, it was <laughs> 100% hell, All it right? Was going to hell,
0: he was going to hell and. The flames were definitely getting him, and I never seen Scrooge McDuck so afraid <laughs> in, in his You're right in, in, in his <laughs> entire <laughs> career of cartoons. That's Right, you know, yeah, no, like, ain't
1: no Ducktales episode making him making him go to that
0: place. Right, right. Watching it for the first time, I just wanted a little bit more of Tiny Tim. You know, you see Tiny Tim in the scene; he looks like a you know a little version of Mickey Mouse, and you know, he's all cute and stuff as he should be, but um, maybe just a little more close-ups or screen time with Tiny Tim being so cutesy, you know?
1: Tiny Tim's a big
0: selling point of A Christmas Carol, of, of the story. Right, and because of timing and and to your point about the, you know, that they knew that they probably were going to air it on television, you know, the mm. uh, total running time was definitely negotiated. right. And I'm not saying that that's a criticism of Mickey's Christmas Carol either, because all of the bells and whistles, in my opinion, was in that scene where Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge is going to hell. Yeah, going to hell. You know what I mean? You know? Right. And, and I kind of felt <laughs> that like. Was- that was the money shot. That was the money shot, for sure. And and I felt like, from a story standpoint, do we want to spend time making Mickey cutesy with limited time, or do we want to like have the scene where we pull out all the bells and whistles? Do we want to be Disney cute,
1: or do we want to <laughs> – well, I mean, I'm just going to say it again. Send Scrooge to hell. Right, right. <laughs> they send Scrooge to hell. <laughs> so, yeah. you know,
0: I, I, I see why <laughs> certain decisions were made. You yeah. know, there's a lot of television adaptations of A Christmas Carol, but I don't ever remember a scene like that where Scrooge is going to hell and uh <laughs> nobody did it better than Disney. <laughs> oh, no, <nope>, no. <nope. laughs> you know, I think that scene stands out. And was created so that you would forget all the other specials. Well, we're going to give them something yeah. that we've never had before. Because what's the fun in just doing something that someone else has done before, unless you add your own little special touches to it?
1: Absolutely. So. So, yeah. This is, uh, you had to buy a movie ticket to go see this. Because who wanted to see The Rescuers again? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd never seen it, honestly. And that was also, mm-hmm. that's a dark movie. That's about child kidnapping. So, I got I got Scrooge going to hell. And then being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. I think 84, is when it came to NBC. Mm-hmm. And it was around. And then you go, Disney Channel, early 90s, it would show up there. And then I noticed it, it kind of it went away. Available, certainly. But it, it was no longer broadcast, if you will. And I think it might have been due to its, uh, its darker nature. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And changing sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, could be cause, wrong. I, could I mean, be wrong I mean, I mean no,
0: no. You could be right. I mean, because you know, like the uh, you know the kids industry was very uh, I don't know if fluid is the right word, but you know the fact that there were right. still all these groups around and making noise about things, I just feel like networks were just a little gun shy, you know, in terms of what scenes stay in and which scenes get cut out. So they took it off a of cable too. Cable as well. It disappeared on cable as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a theory about that then. You know how Disney likes to put things in the vault and then sit on it? And then when they think that people have missed it, they'll bring it back and use that as a marketing tool to sell it on DVD or VHS or whatever. They
1: do that. They do that. Right. Disney creating the collector's market. Right. So maybe that
0: was a reason. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's actually, that's a great theory. That's an mm-hmm. excellent theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, I just now had an epiphany mm-hmm. that maybe, considering the success of DuckTales, Disney didn't want to send Uncle Scrooge, DuckTales' Uncle Scrooge, to hell anymore.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, he is very unsympathetic, more so than normal.
1: Yeah, in Ducktales, he's he's a jerk, right? But he's a lovable jerk, right? Uh, in this, exactly. He he is damned, right? He his soul is judged and damned right. for his behavior, for his behavior. So right, yeah. It, his IP, this Mickey Christmas Carol is when, is when Scrooge, his IP just exploded, mm-hmm. and they crafted Ducktales around him uh, what was that 87 right
0: yeah so i mean that's a great theory that is a great theory you know what i mean it's kind of like kids might be confused but it's like why you know why is this terrible thing happening did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the big bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings through the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Are you tired of podcasts only covering good movies or bad movies? Where could you possibly turn to find both in one convenient place?
2: There has got to be a better way!
0: Well, now there is. Try the podcast double Edge Double Bill, where Adam and Thomas dive into both a good and a bad film in every episode. Sound too good to be true? Well, listen to this testimonial.
2: Double-Edge Double Bill got me to watch Total Recall and Junior in one night. I was both entertained and scarred permanently. Thanks, Double-Edge Double Bill.
0: Available now on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are streamed.
1: You know, confusing kids is an excellent point, Mark, that you made, talking about Scrooge going to hell. I'm I'm never going to, that's never going to get old for me now. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Magoo. 1962, made it very clear right off the bat that this is your Mr. Magoo is not this evil old person.
0: Right. Well, first of all, I have to say that this is one that I caught late. You know, I didn't know for a long time that this special existed. You and I, me
1: both, dude. Yeah. I didn't know it existed till you told me.
0: Right. And when I finally saw it, I was just blown away. I'm like, wow, this is really great. Not what I expected. You know, right. I I watched Mr. Magoo cartoons as a kid, but it wasn't necessarily what I would call appointment viewing.
1: Right. You, you didn't carve out time in your schedule. You
0: weren't in front of that TV at eight o'clock. Right. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, he, that Mr. Magoo became, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge in this special. But what's really brilliant about it is that they let you know right away that he is an actor. He's Mr. Magoo, and he's an actor. (laughs) Right. And he still can't see crap. He's still bumping into things. Oh, he's still Mr. Magoo. Right. He's still Mr. Magoo. Uh,
1: He's performing a play for you, everyone. Right. Mr. Magoo the entire the opening uh, the song isn't even about a Christmas Carol. It's about Broadway, baby, right. Exactly. It's about bright lights and the, the the and the magic of the stage, right. Uh, yeah, like and we're gonna do Christmas Carol for you, right. It was kind of meta that way. Mm-hmm. It, it broke the fourth wall right. right off the bat,
0: exactly. You know, he's singing his way to the theater and you know, almost gets killed, of course, because oh yeah he's missing the, he's the, he the Magoo. glasses. Right, yeah. And um, so it starts out with him singing and, and being on Broadway, which is pretty cool. And he manages to get backstage. And as soon as he gets into character, he is no longer Mr. Magoo. He is Ebenezer Scrooge. Right. And all the comedy <laughs> that you're used to seeing Mr. Magoo is gone. And I just think that that was brilliant because it was sort of a bait and switch in a way, uh, because I think kids watching it, well, you know, I'm going to see Mr. Magoo act like a, you know, like his usual self throughout this whole special, and right. they're like, no, he's going to be an actor, Mr. Magoo playing Ebenezer Scrooge. So I just love that, so that was cool.
1: It was really cool. It was, it was again, uh,
0: it, it it got me right off the bat. Yeah. So it was directed by Abe Levitow. Who's an Emmy-winning director who started his career, you know, at Warner Brothers as an in-betweener, and then after he went uh, and served during World War II, um, he ended up working with Chuck Jones and becoming Chuck Jones's uh, top animator. And, oh wow, Chuck um, Jones. Yeah, so that's that's very cool, and uh, you know, worked on a lot of great stuff like What's Opera, Doc? Night on Ball Mountain sequence in What's Opera, Doc, which is pretty cool the animated scene of Porky Pig as Friar Tuck in Robin Hood Daffy, which is another excellent uh, cartoon. So eventually, you know, the road led him to UPA, which uh, produced this awesome Magoo's Christmas Carol. And UPA was one of those studios that was sort of uh, anti-Disney.
1: Oh, okay. The other guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of ex-Disney employees who ended up creating and working at UPA because they wanted to do something different that wasn't necessarily the Disney style of animation. Right. And, you know, they came up with their own style and their own style was limited animation, but limited animation with a uh, creative aesthetic.
1: Oh my God. A beautiful, beautiful esthetic Mm-hmm. Uh, the way uh, how the inkers aren't necessarily going in the lines.
0: Right. Those backgrounds are just out of this world um, in that special.
1: The song sung by his ex-girlfriend.
0: Right. Belle. Bell.
1: Bell. Mm-hmm. The animation in this, the way that they, they're using this, very stylized.
0: Well, that, that was UPA. That was their whole style, you know? Um,
1: some of the the, the backgrounds, some of the four, just a lot of it could be hung as art, just on your wall, completely right. out of context. Right. So many of those shots. Mm-hmm. They, they look like paintings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They really, really did. I believe that the version that's up on Peacock and Amazon, it's the restored version and it, it just looks looks beautiful.
1: Now we were teasing about the lengths, lengths here. We were oh, comparing lengths right. earlier. Right. Uh, and this ties into something that's pretty revolutionary about Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. This this thing was an hour long.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was an, hour, was an long. hour long. An hour long. The actual running time was 51 minutes, um, so maybe less commercials.
1: They did. They did way less commercials. That's why they chop up the original series of Star Trek. Everyone who's seen it since like after 1970-something has seen an edited version because uh, because more
0: commercials. Right. Same for the Flintstones or the Jetsons. um, Yep. uh, Absolutely. when, When Cartoon Network started airing those shows, they had to be lexiconed, sped up slightly. Viewers couldn't tell. Because like the half hour was 24 minutes and the average half hour now is like 21 minutes. So exactly. um, it had to, the time had to be reduced without cutting out any of the scenes. But right. this was the very first long form new special made for a network that ran in prime time. And so it yep. was the first one. And, you know, maybe during a negotiation, somebody says, well, I can't tell the story in a half hour. I need more time. Right. And the writers use their time well in this special, I think. They are great songs, and um, mm. you're never bored watching this.
1: This is a musical, by the way. Right. right everyone this is
0: mr magoo's christmas carol the musical the music in the special was composed by oscar and tony award-winning jewel stein who is known for the song let it snow let it snow let it snow oh no kidding yeah no kidding and uh, he also wrote people which is uh i believe is a barbara streisand standard from one of her movies okay and a lot of the songs in the special were co-written with grammy award-winning composer bob merrill so the fact oh, wow. that the cartoon is a Broadway musical and they actually hired gentlemen that compose music for Broadway as well as for film this is this is almost like inception, dude this is getting so <laughs> meta <laughs> right now yeah I mean, they really went all out on this you know and and you know I, I think I think. I think they approached the Magoo's Christmas Carol as though it was a theatrical cartoon. And they were going to pull out all the bells and whistles for this story. And they did. Right. And the special also features Gerald McBoing-Boing, which was another popular U.P.A. Uh, animated character okay. who would speak only using sound effects. Oh, and
1: like that like that guy from Police Academy.
0: Right. But, I mean, this guy, this character didn't really talk at all. He didn't have anything to say. Right, you? just sound effects to tell his story or to communicate his story. And Joe McBoing-Boing was a pretty popular cartoon animated character, you know, in the late 50s, in, in the 1950s, also, you know, animated by U.P.A., You know, along with the Mr. Magoo cartoons, and so I thought that was also brilliant and a cool way to cross over that character and make him Tiny Tim, sort of like what we were talking about earlier with Disney, how they they sort of handpicked who was going to be in Mickey's Christmas Carol. You know, it's almost the the same type of um, idea to put Gerald McBoing Boing in the story, who's playing Tiny Tim, and in the special. Tiny Tim actually says words and not sound effects. And so it's almost as if he was a a child actor.
2: (laughs) I'm not going to be Gerald (laughs)
0: McBoing-Boing. I'm going to be Tiny Tim. The layers, the depth.
1: the guy totally caught was, unlike any other telling of The Christmas Carol that I remember, that I'm aware of, the first spirit to show up is the spirit of Christmas present.
0: So there's some theories behind that. And, well, first of all, no one really knows why that is, okay? Um, Sure. But one of the theories that's out there online is that due to the running time and because of commercial breaks, the decision was made to bring in that spirit first, you know, as opposed to bringing in the spirit of Christmas past.
1: Well, you know, getting back to uh, you saying that you could have used a little more Tiny Tim in your Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm story-wise, th- uh, it could have been, you know, we want to hook... We, we need to get Tiny Tim out there as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Economy of time. We yeah. want this character introduced as early as we possibly can in order to get the audience emotionally invested. Because yeah. this is a Tiny Tim-heavy film. The, they go into an entire song. And these songs, man, they, they go for like three minutes. Oh, I know. They were cut for like radio. They weren't just a little jingle here and there. These are full... This... there's there should be a soundtrack to this out there somewhere Uh, i i believe i would imagine i believe
0: there is i believe there is um facebook fans you know please let us know i'm pretty sure there's a a soundtrack album out there of the special
1: yeah 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 hit us up on facebook let us know or if Mm -hmm. you have like an old record in Mm -hmm. uh in your closet uh, right private messages
0: i'll give you an address just for the simple fact that they had such heavyweight musicians and composers working on this i would i would think the expectation would be for an lp an album because you know when there's a broadway show there's always a an accompanying lp that goes with the broadway show and and they are definitely treating this as a broadway show that just happens to be animated
1: exactly this it's got to be out there somewhere hit us up uh you know, right down there in the comments, let us <laughs> let us know. You know what I liked about the Ghost of Christmas present mm-hmm. very, very uh kind, accepting, wise, made of fire. Mm-hmm. The expressions, if you're looking at his face. And I love it how he, switched from, he switches from being like empathy right. to smug. Right. Because he goes smug, dude. <laughs> like, he's throwing he's throwing Scrooge that eye. Look at the animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look at the animation on the, uh, the eyebrows. In terms of limited animation. Right. They knew the box that they were in, and they used every inch of that
0: box. Oh, absolutely. What I also thought was kind of funny, when the ghost leaves... The ghost starts laughing as it drifts up in the air. Like, it almost reminds me of a tricks commercial. Silly rabbit, tricks is for kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, that is the most dismissive that that ghost. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know what? I really don't care about your problems or your worries. I did my job yeah. and now it's time for me to go. And I think you're a bye fool. Felicia. And, yeah, bye, Felicia. And I think you're a fool and I'm going to laugh at you. Ha, 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 ha. yep
1: yep it's like i trusted you and it's like well that's on you man (laughs) i know it's on you yeah well
0: you got your problems you got your troubles yeah yep (laughs) yep
1: it's all there in the eyebrows it's all there just using two lines to express all of that
0: yeah you know that's one of my favorite scenes and it just you know like you say with the eyebrows looking at him like with this now look you to Oh, wait, I got to do my job and be pleasant. Okay. I can't let personal feelings get in, get in the way. And all that was translated beautifully in limited animation. Yes. Was definitely like a, you know, the standard UPA character. Very simple, but effective. And Jim Backus was just awesome as Mr. Magoo. Thurston Howell the Third, everybody. Yeah. If you didn't know, to
1: anybody new to Mr. Magoo, he was voiced by, by Thurston Howell the Third. Jim Backus yeah, Gilligan's Island. Right. Gilligan's Island,
0: y'all. He's great in that because he gets to do Mr. Magoo in a much more serious tone. Oh, he must have loved it. And he also got to sing as well, which is something yep. Mr. Magoo didn't do a lot of.
1: Gosh, I'd love to find an old interview, mm-hmm. if it's even out there, of him and his personal memoirs and feelings towards
0: this uh, this project. Right, and there's other really cool folks, uh, Paul Frees, who's a pr- prolific voiceover actor. I think has worked for every animation, practically every animation studio, whether credited or uncredited. But I especially know his voice from the Rankin Bass productions. Shout out Rankin Bass, everybody. Yeah, I think he plays uh, Barry Gordy in the uh, Jackson 5, the very first episode, the origin story. Oh, really? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Which is cool. pretty cool. Cool, cool. Um, but in this in this particular Mr. Magoo, A uh, Christmas Carol, he plays the stage director who's a victim of Mr. Magoo's... Uh, you know <laughs> mishaps he's the one that has to be punished in the episode right right <laughs> with 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 physical comedy yeah right he plays one of the charity men as asking mr magoo uh or rather scrooge for money as well as the undertaker and right. uh i just love that song in the undertaker's uh Office where they're all singing about how they rob from each other and <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's, yeah this this gang of thieves mm-hmm.
1: is it's Scrooge is being shown mm-hmm. his after death how urchins and mm-hmm. and and thieves descended upon his property right and scraped up what they could and they didn't find much right because you are a cheap cheap man, Mister Scrooge. Oh my gosh! The yeah, just I think just the idea that like that the uh, robbers. Uh, the the lowest rung of society that he spits at that he scoffs at would come into his uh his home his safety his sanctuary right and defile it like this is what you have to look forward to (laughs) Scrooge you know
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah that did stand stand out as kind of a kind of a hardcore concept to throw out there
0: right and jack cassidy uh played bob cratchit and that was also a nice surprise and um inspired casting and uh, Jack Cassidy is the father of uh, David Cassidy.
1: Yep. Partridge family.
0: Jack Cassidy was a singer as well as an actor. You know, he did, he can go back and forth and he did both and for a, a very long time, Jack Cassidy was a huge, huge star that, you know, could do it all. And um, right. he's, you know, it's just really interesting, you know, without any <laughs> social media, Back in the day, you know, a lot of people like Jack Cassidy just kind of fade into obscurity. But, you know, he had he he had a a very long and successful career um, in Hollywood. It's just interesting. So that was a nice surprise to see his name associated with this project. And last but not least, Les Tremaine, who is known to fans as mentor in the live action Shazam series from 1974, Played, <laughs> plays the ghost of Christmas present oh the smug the smug uh, fireflame
1: right. uh,
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and <laughs> okay, you know
0: cool. uh Les <laughs> Tremaine is another one I mean if you look at his career if you go to the movie database the and just check out his list of credits it just goes on and on and on and he can do different voices and you know, he was very versatile as an actor. He can play the baddest bad guy or the nicest nice guy or somewhere in between. And a lot of times the interesting thing about Les Tremaine is that he's so versatile that a lot of times when I see him, I don't recognize him at first. And then I'm like, Oh, oh wow, holy cow, that's Les Tremaine. Right. Yep. So uh the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol's like become one of my favorites.
2: More positive. Than a New Day pancake, more fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host, who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating. Well, you know the rest of Thunder Talk. Sexy Thor! It's the Ring of Thunder, found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network.
1: look we gotta talk
2: yeah thunder talk we're going all kinds of sideways with that sweet nerd junk woke nerd junk it's topical political dare i say radical
1: we've got all your latest news and reviews
2: hot music and a whole lot of comedy but it ain't for kids
1: definitely mature content so let's talk
0: let's talk thunder talk
2: thunder talk is a proud member of the eso network
1: So, dude, have you seen? It's all over my Facebook. Uh, Charlie Brown isn't going to be broadcast on broadcast anymore.
0: I know. And everybody
1: is just freaking out.
0: I know. It's I, I, People are freaking out, and I almost want to say it's sort of like this uh, fake outrage over a special that I would think that if you're a fan of this special... You have a DVD copy of it. You already have the DVD. That's just it. Even if you're not a fan
1: of the special, right? You have the DVD. Everyone, go, either subscribe to Apple TV because they jumped in, and uh, well, they bought it up. It was some smart money. Right. Otherwise, your other option, and this goes for just about every American, just go get the DVD. Right. Out of your wherever you keep your DVDs, you already <laughs> have it. <laughs>
0: yeah so i guess the argument for that would be who plays dvds anymore (laughs) that's on you that's your problem okay well look.
1: that's that's, hey hey the best saturdays of our lives man we can't fix we can't fix all of your lives okay (laughs) let's keep it together people come on it's the holidays come on well thanks for joining us everyone uh, here at the best saturdays of our lives podcast Uh, merry christmas merry
0: christmas and happy holidays to everyone The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network.